So uh, this has been showing up in social media the past week. David, hey, God, check this out. Plays secret chord. God, dude, sick. (laughs) That's exactly how it went in the Bible, by the way. (laughs) My translation, at least. I wanted to open today with a joke because it has, uh, it's been a heavy week, both collectively and as I know for myself and I imagine is true for you, individual stories that many of us carry with us as well too. And so as a way of uh, entering the space of today's Spirit Flicks message, I want to ask you for just a little bit of time, just be totally quiet but but like not enter meditative space don't close your eyes actually keep your eyes open you can be mindful and aware while keeping your eyes open in fact that's really mindfulness is to open our eyes totally quiet You may be dead right now. You're not. That's today's movie. A movie that occurs in almost total silence of spoken language. It's a scary movie, and it's a creative movie, and it's a good one. We're just plopped right down into this setting. I think the first time they tell us is, Day 49 appears on the screen, and you see a family foraging for supplies in a nearly abandoned, post-apocalyptic-looking town. That's this world of a quiet place. See, the reason they have to be totally quiet, they walk bare feet, the path that they travel, they put sand down so they don't leave any reverberations What's happened is that an alien race has come to the earth, an alien race that is sightless, but has razor sharp hearing to go along with their razor sharp teeth. And if they hear you, they will attack and they will devour. And again, almost nothing spoken this entire movie. Alien race coming and eating people, almost no talking in the movie. Sounds like it'd be an amazing hit, wasn't it? It's made over $300 million. This is the family that it's focused on. And yes, that is Jim from The Office. (laughs) He actually directed the movie as well, too. And the person directly in back of him, that's Emily Blount. They're married in real life. They do everything they can to protect their family. And I could tell you what really stayed with me, one particular line in this movie where they sign to each other, they speak American sign language. Brought to mind Reverend Lee's really powerful, challenging, and necessary message from last week about what's happening at our southwestern border and what we are doing, the official policy, what we are doing to families. These two parents say to each other, who are we? Who are we if we can't protect them? How many refugee families ask themselves that same question 
every day? Who are we if we can't protect them? This is a brisk, nerve-rattling kind of movie. And the most interesting and compelling thing about it, and a whole bunch of other critics taking a look at the movie have pointed this out, is that actually it runs counter to the narrative of so many movies that are made right now, especially horror movies, in which one bad thing happens and everything else falls to hell. One trauma and social disintegration collapse. And the thing is, for those of us who went on the Haiti trip a number of years ago here at Wellsprings, we uh, read a book about Haiti. And the real challenges that are a part of life there, especially in the wake of the earthquake and continue to this day. We witnessed it ourselves. But here's the thing. The guy who wrote the book said something in particular. There's this narrative of what happens after a natural disaster or after a huge collective trauma, which is that everything else falls apart. It all goes to hell. And he says, by and large, that didn't happen in Haiti. And it doesn't happen anywhere else. In fact, what you see over and over again, that in the wake of a large natural disaster, people actually come together and they support each other. And yet, how often are we fed the line that if one thing goes wrong, then all the other things are going to cascade in back of it. And more things will go wrong and more things will go wrong and more things will go wrong and more things go wrong. And the truth is the very first scene in this movie, this scene the child all the way at the back dies. This is not a gory movie, but it's a sad and scary movie. And it begins with the one thing that very few movies will actually do, which is introduce us to a child and then have them die. This movie begins in trauma. And rather than everything going to hell for this family. It's actually a story of how they survive and how they love one another and trust one another under completely unimaginable circumstances. The best thing about A Quiet Place is that it's actually a resilient story. It's a story about bouncing back when life is unbelievably painful. And that's why it's such a good movie, because it actually relates to our lives as they really are. We're not in the same fantastical circumstances, but we all know it in our lives, right? If we're paying attention to our own lives, if we're paying attention to the lives around us, that just like that, the bottom can seem to drop out. Things fall apart. They will. It's inevitable for all of us. And it does not mean that we will have to fall apart. One does not necessarily follow the other. And in fact, I don't think we lift up enough stories as this movie does. You know, where many of us are starting to become familiar with these terms of PTSD or adverse childhood experiences. And it's amazing that people are starting to learn this and the impact that has lifelong as a person grows and develops. But, you know, there's this whole other collection of research and it's called post-traumatic growth and we see it over and over and over and over again that someone lives through an unimaginable thing a natural disaster an act of violence a collective huge loss 
And actually we find that their healing is not just that they get back to life as normal, but something, I would say the most precious thing in them, becomes actually concentrated and lives and thrives. And in the midst of the greatest challenge, they actually come to know their greatest values and become those things. Again, these are not things that any of us ask for. I am not getting into everything happens for a reason. Your town was leveled because of an earthquake, because God decreed it. This is not my belief. I think that is cruel. And still, the understanding and the acceptance that life is profoundly painful does not have to leave us powerless. Based on the ground of open-hearted acceptance, we can grow as human beings with almost anything. This past week, I saw this guy in concert, and yes, I took that picture. I was right there. This is what happens when you don't drink anything for three hours before the, before the concert starts, and you make sure your bladder is totally emptied out, and you just put yourself right there in the beginning so you can look up and you can be right next to one of your heroes, Frank Turner. Now, Frank Turner is one of my heroes because he's kind of a folk punk Springsteen. If you've been around before, you probably heard me talk about him. Perhaps you're getting a little sick of it. Sorry, I'm just going to continue to do it. One of the reasons that I love Frank Turner is that he shares stories of resilience in his music over and over and over again. He has been very clear about his own struggles in this life with his mental health and the fact that despair has been part of who he is. His most recent album is called not really hiding the message here, be more kind. And it starts with a song called Don't Worry. And at first I'm like, before I heard that, oh, God, God, is he going to like a don't worry, be happy thing? Because I cannot stand that song. Telling someone, don't worry, be happy, is one of the most counterproductive things you can do to someone who is worrying or struggling. But that's not it at all. He merely says this, don't worry if you don't know what to do. We're all there actually an expression of profound compassion and there's one line in it that actually condenses just about everything i believe about life into just a couple stanzas into a couple sentences life hurts love will burn don't we wish it weren't that way and when you can't pull through i will help you i won't push you away life includes pain things change and are impermanent And the truth of our compassion is just as profound. That's what this movie points at. About meeting those moments with the things that we wish had not arrived. The things that we can learn to grow from and grow with, even if we did not choose them. There's a therapist named Sherry Emetenstein, who is only alive on this earth because her family survived the Holocaust. And most of her family was lost to the Holocaust. I think that one of the reasons that she is such a profoundly insightful and compassionate therapist is that she does not expect life to go perfectly. Just as Reverend Lee said in our welcome to our members, we do this open-eyed. 
and open-hearted understanding that life is going to be difficult for all of us and not going to be, it may be, incredibly difficult for you right now. And people who can meet us on this ground of acceptance, not trying to wish it away, not trying to fix us, but meeting us there, accepting us as we are, this is one of those people that Sherry is. She tells us a couple different stories that I love that really point the way towards this post-traumatic growth, this ability to grow with what we wish would not have happened but has happened. She calls this one Lenny's story. Lenny, who was a successful executive, had a happy, fulfilled life in which everything seemed to be going perfectly, and then one day his beloved life, Pam, dropped dead of a heart attack out of the blue. And Lenny went to Europe, and Lenny started running half marathons, and Lenny took a new job, all in the hopes that if only he kept busy enough, if only he was productive enough, that's the biggest sinful myth, and I use that word intentionally in our culture, that if only we're productive enough that everything else will be fine. Lenny tried to outrun it, and you know what got him? I love this part of the story. Meditation got him. He was one of those corporate settings in which they tried to introduce a little bit of mindfulness into the workplace. And he sat for 10 minutes and all hell broke loose within him. He had tried to run and run and run away from his own grief and his own heart. And he couldn't do it. And he started to work with Sherry. And she said, it's just like a closet, you know, that you try to stuff all your crap into. And you put all your stuff in there and you put all your stuff in there and you put all your stuff in there until finally the forcefulness of all that stuff crammed in there explodes and falls on your head. We can only do it for so long. Sherry also tells the story of her father. Who survived Auschwitz. But whose father and sister did not. He remembers them being sent to the gas chambers. Sherry recalls her father as the kindest man that she ever knew. He forgave other people in his business their debts or wrote IOUs that sometimes he would carry for years. Once when he was a somewhat aged man himself, he saw another aged man wandering the street looking confused. And he brought this aged man home with him making sure that he was able to find his way back to his family in the midst of his episode of dementia. Sherry spent a lot of time getting to know her father. And the truth was, there was no big theology here. There was no grand theory. It came down to some really basic stuff. Thinking about the world doesn't save us. Elaborate theories doesn't save us. Sherry's father said, when I am being kind, I feel good about myself. And I am not going to live a life in which I was and would internalize the injustice done to me. No denial. Acceptance. Any acceptance of this truth, things will come apart. The monsters will come in many forms in this life. They come in a pretty fantastical form in this movie. 
And yeah, we've got to fight like hell against them. Nothing about acceptance is passivity. And that is the hinge upon which this movie turns. I won't try to give it all away, because if you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie, and I encourage you to see it. Their daughter, this couple that is unnamed during the entire movie, does not have the capacity to hear. And the hinge upon which this movie turns is the truth we see over and over and over again in this life, which sometimes our greatest quote-unquote vulnerability ends up being our greatest strength. That is how this movie turns. And yes, there is an act of profound and heart-opening sacrifice from, in this movie, the dad. And before he goes, sacrifices his life so that the rest of the family are able to live. He signs to his daughter these words. I have always loved you. Originally in the script that was written, I love you. I don't know how to sign that. But they changed it. I have always loved you. Because remember when I said that they lost a child at the start of the movie? That child's death was the result of a well-intentioned act by that daughter that eventually brought around, brought about her brother's death. She didn't intend to cause it. And so at the end of his life, that claiming, I have always loved you. All of it. Even that. I embrace all of you. This life is messy. Maybe you know that in your bones right now today. I don't think we say that enough to each other. This is a mess. Full stop. I don't think we say that nearly enough. That's just acceptance of the basic truth of things. And actually, I think the cost of not saying that enough is that when we can't get to the other side of our egocentric illusions of control or fear, that actually we can't get to the larger truths beyond that life is messy. That life is also amazing and healing and full of love. I think if we want to get to those things, it must enter through the passageway of the messiness. There is no spiritual bypassing. Things go through, not around. And so I want to end today with part of what made this week so heavy for myself and perhaps for you. I think those of us who have struggled with our mental health at times in this life, the loss of these two lives hit hard, both for their giftedness and what they gave us, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, and just that it was so out of the blue, as suicide so often is. And there is no shame or stigma for those who take their own lives. 
As I've been reminded by a number of very wise people in my Facebook feed, sometimes wisdom does come up on Facebook. Actually, I think quite often it does. Someone does not commit suicide. You commit a crime. You commit a sin. No one commits suicide. We can say someone chose to take their own life. No shame or no stigma. Just sadness. Just wishing that it could have been different. And for those of us who are still here, I want to close with these words. They're words that might be familiar to some of you. They're words that we shared on Facebook this week. Words from Jessica Michael Hecht, who is a poet, a philosopher, and has written a beautiful book about suicide, simply called Stay. Thank you for staying. Please stay. You are my hero for staying. I know about it. And I'm grateful you stay. Thank you for staying, my friends. We are here. And life is messy. And love is real. Amen. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me? Spirit is so wide that... This reality can even contain the monsters as they come in many forms in our lives. The monsters and the mess, all real. And don't need to be pushed away, not individually and certainly not collectively. May we be people, individuals and even more a community. A community of deep faithfulness to each other and to these truths that sometimes are not so self-evident. But it still means they're here. That as we walk through this world, we are encountering people all the time who are living through absolutely unbelievably painful circumstances and yet manage to put put that one foot in front of the other, literally, metaphorically, who manage to show up for each other, who manage to show up for themselves, and that this gift of profound resilience is something we are also born with, these hearts that can be broken we are born with, but we also are born with these gifts pregnant within us of mending and growth and of healing. May we never forget this, especially when we are at those moments in which we think we have reached the end of ourselves. Amen.